The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. On a Sabbath, Jesus went to dine at the home of one of the leading Pharisees, and the people there were observing him carefully. He told a parable to those who had been invited, noticing how they were choosing the places of honor at the table. When you were invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not recline at table in the place of honor. A more distinguished guest than you may have been invited by him, and the host who invited both of you may approach you and say, give your place to this man, and then you would proceed with embarrassment to take the lowest place. Rather, when you were invited, go and take the lowest place, so that when the host comes to you, he may say, my friend, move up to a higher position. Then you will enjoy the esteem of your companions at the table. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Then he said to the host who invited him, When you hold a lunch or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your wealthy neighbors in case they may invite you back and you have repayment. Rather, when you hold a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. Blessed indeed will you be because of their inability to repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. The Gospel of the Lord. The theme in the readings this weekend uh, is very simply humility. And the task for us is equally simple, though much more challenging, invitation. So in our humility, uh, we are called to invite. We think about that looking through these different readings, kind of examining them uh, individually, but also examining them together. So that first reading uh, is from the book of Sirach, often uh, also known as like a, a book of wisdom. It's one of the last books of wisdom in the Old Testament. And when we think about that word wisdom, uh, we want to think, what does that mean? What's that definition? We would say it's practical knowledge for successful living. So a lot of what you hear in the book of Sirach is meant to be practical knowledge to live a successful life. And so he starts out by talking about the need for generosity, the need for humility. And why that's so important is because when you combine that with Jesus' teachings, especially his parables and those regarding morality, we see that actually Jesus, as we're reminded in other parts of Scripture, is not coming to make a new law. He's not coming to abolish the old law. He's just coming to reveal more. And so there's a strong precedent in Judaism and in canonical Scripture prior to Jesus' teachings. And when we say canonical scripture, we just mean the canon, like the code of canon scripture. So it's the Old Testament. Why is that important? Because it means that this isn't a new idea. Like this is something we should all be doing already. So we have this book of Sirach, idea of wisdom, living successfully for our lives. Okay, now we have this psalm. This psalm is really important because it also ties into our gospel today. And the psalm is a reminder for us that God is the primary benefactor to the orphans, the widows, and the disadvantaged. That God will take care of them. God, that's his responsibility. He says, even though they exist in the world, I will, I will give them what they need. So here's where it gets really cool. If God is this primary benefactor, 
but God's not always physically around to our visible knowledge or our physical sight, then who becomes responsible for the orphans and the widows and the disadvantaged? I'll give you one guess. Us. Right, so when we get to then cooperate with God and we show kindness to the poor and the orphaned and the widow and the disadvantaged, what do we actually do? We resemble God. Like how amazing is that? That that's our opportunity that we can resemble God to another person. Wow. Like I get to be God for someone today? No. I get to be like God for someone today. I get to, I get to show them the face of God today. That's, that's wild to think about. So almsgiving and humility, because that's kind of what we're hearing in, this, in the first reading in the psalm, when we provide almsgiving and we live from a place of humility, we actually uh, see the poor person as being like ourself. It's not that they're, oh, they're lesser and I have to, no, like I see myself in them and I want to love them, I want to care for them, I want to give them what I've been blessed to have. So it's not that like, oh, you poor little person, let me help you. It's no, like, there's my brother, there's my sister, there's myself. I need to help them. Like, this is what I'm called to do. And there's this, this call to generosity. I mean, think about that in our lives. How many times have people been generous to us when we weren't even expecting it? Probably more than we can imagine. The other beautiful gift of generosity is that it's the great antidote to sin. Because sin, if we were to boil it all down, you know, some would say the root of all sin is pride, and that's probably true. But also, the root of sin is selfishness. The root of sin is like, I'm doing what I want to do. That I'm turning away from the Lord to do what I want. Now, if I'm doing that in his will, then I'm not sinning. I'm doing the good stuff. But I'm doing, like, the sinful things. Like, the antidote is gratitude to pour out, turn, to turn back outward. And so gratitude can very simply just be like, acknowledge the gifts that we've been given. Lord, thank you so much for this day. Lord, thank you so much for this parish. Lord, thank you so much for the food that's in my fridge, right? It's, it's that basic, and yet how often do we forget to say thank you? We always try to teach kids, what do you say? Thank you. Like, do they know what they're really doing when they're saying, like, I hope they do. I hope they learn that, but, but like, we try to teach that from a little age, and at some point we lose, we lose the, the importance of saying thank you. Okay, so now we take all of this information, we put it into the gospel today. There are kind of like two sections to consider in the gospel, and each section has two parts. You're going to be like, man, there's so much information. I understand. Just strap in. It's going to be a lot of fun. The first level, right, is just like the idea of like the seat of honor, okay? So the first idea of that is basic social etiquette. Don't be a jerk and take someone else's seat. And I mean, I, I know the church is like the ironic place to say this because everyone's got their spot in the pew. Like, no one mess with that pew spot. That's Irma's, okay? I mean, that's, that's Josie's. Do not touch that spot. I can't sit there. I think for some reason the church has thought like the seat of honor is like the back of the church as well. It's always like full of people. So I'm always like, you can come forward. It's okay. Like, it, it's a spray zone maybe, but it's not that, not that scary. But like, that's just the, the first element. It's like, don't be a jerk in human society. Like, who would go to a wedding and be like, I'm going to sit at the, uh, the wedding party table? Dude, you're like, lucky you got invited. Okay? 
So that's the first element. The second, though, is this. Um, the banquet table represents the church, right? It represents, like, the reality of, like, the church is a place of hierarchy, just like anything else in the world is. And what Jesus is doing here is actually really important. It's, it's focused a lot towards clergy, um, especially in this day and age, but it's also uh, focused towards the laity. And what he does is he condemns an attitude of climbing the ecclesiastical table. Basically what you would say in like other terms is uh, he's condemning social climbers. Okay, people who are just like out there to be known for the sake of being known. Okay, seeking honor and authority. Like, oh, look at me. I am a bishop. Da, 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 da. Like, okay, bishops are important. We like our bishop. Bishop Rhodes is awesome. He installed me last week. I, I love him. But like, no one should become a priest with the hope of like, I'm going to be pope someday. Like, no. No, like, that's, that's a terrible idea. But the other reality is there are people out there who, who do that. They're social climbers. So Jesus is saying, like, be cautious of this. Like, why are you doing what you're doing? What's your intent? So this morning applies to, to really all of us, but I think it especially applies to, to the clergy. Like, don't become a priest just so, like, people will take care of you and, like, serve you and, like, you have a cushy job the rest of your life. Like, that's an awful attitude to go into the priesthood. Uh, a priest should ultimately be one who's, like, willing to, like, serve and die and, like, give himself to his people to the end. Um, so that's, that's that reality. Okay, we move on to, like, the second part, right? So he's talking about these seats of social uh, justice, not social justice, these seats of honor and authority. Uh, the next level is, like, the idea of, like, what we give and how we give. So, but again, it's a basic practice of almsgiving, you know, love being shown to the outcast. Because he's like, well, who do I invite? He says, don't invite your friends. Don't invite your family. Don't invite the people that you know can repay you because you're hoping for the repayment. Like, okay, I'm going to invite Matt to come over to my house because I know Matt's got a boat. He's going to invite me out on later. Like, that's, again, a terrible attitude to have. Do you have a, a boat? Okay. <laughs> Good thing I used that example. <laughs> but, like, that's, that's, again, the wrong, that's the wrong mentality. So when, when Jesus says, invite the poor, the lame, the crippled, the blind, you're inviting someone who can't give anything back, which means I'm giving with no expectation in return. Like, that should be our, our mentality. And if we take, take an even deeper grasp of this, who are the blind and the lame and, the, and all those that he listed? The reality is those people are also us. I mean, at different times, we've been blind to what God's doing. We've been deaf to what God is speaking to us. We've been uh, lamed, made lame and crippled by our sins. Like, the reality is, like, this is also us. This is the church. And so God's always inviting us to come back. He says, come back to me over and over and over again, knowing that we can never repay him, but because he loves us and he wants us to be here. So Jesus is urging us to follow uh, especially in this instance, laws of the Old Testament, uh, which gets back to this idea of the Psalms where if God's the benefactor of all these people and we in our actions can become his cooperators, then, you know, we can, we can actually, like, bring people back into the church by our invitation. And historically, this problem has been with Catholics, especially, like, as they've come to the United States. And, and like, the early 1700s, 1600s, 1700s, 
But when Catholics came to the United States, like, they clung together in little groups, right? And it's like, you hear about, like, these little Irish immigrant towns, you hear about, like, the German Catholics, you hear about the Polish, like, all these little groups, right? Why is it, like, in Huntington, of all places, there are two churches that can literally throw a rock at each other? One was German, and one was Irish. Like, they just had their little groups. And so Catholics, for a long time, were their own worst enemies because it's like, well, you're not in my, my group. You're not in my social uh, circle. And it is often based off of culture uh, more than anything else. We do not have the <laughs> uh, ability anymore to make those distinctions. Like, we are losing Catholics by the hundreds, if not thousands. And so it's really important that we go back out to our brothers and sisters who are and have always been Catholic and say, it's time for you to come home. It's time for you to come back. And that is in our almsgiving. That is in our, our acts of gratitude. And so we have an opportunity, a responsibility, uh, to go out and to invite those who are outside of our church, to, to bring them back to his banquet. Because we are the poor, the, the poor, the lame, and the crippled. Just two other things to consider when it comes to this wedding feast and places of honor. Think about the image of the Last Supper. Think about the story of the Last Supper. It would have been considered the honor to be closest to the head of the table. Right? And so on one side, we believe there to be John, the beloved disciple. But who's on the other side? Judas. The one who made this whole thing happen in one sense. The betrayer. And yet, Jesus' love for Judas and probably knowing what he was going to do didn't prevent him from inviting him to that place. And so we have to be reminded that our own sinfulness is never a prevention of being invited to a place of honor with God. Our own shame, perhaps, or embarrassment, or guilt, but the Lord doesn't see those things in us. The Lord sees a son and a daughter. Jesus sees a brother and a sister. And so we have to see within ourselves when we look in the mirror, that same child of God. Be willing to come back to him. And so maybe the invitation, the almsgiving, the gratitude, all of that, before we can go out and do it, has to happen in our own hearts. It has to happen in our own hearts first so that we acknowledge the reality that God has a place for us and a love for us. So as I said, the theme is humility. The task is invitation. The reality is this. We have been given such an opportunity here at St. Bernard's to be uh, the beacon of light on the hill. I just I keep thinking about that so often about how the, there's this claim that Wabash is the first electrified city in the United States. I see it on like a, a building over like two blocks away. Uh, but we're also on the top of a hill. Right? And like, you talk about like, you know, no light should be placed under a bushel basket on a hill. Like there's all that symbolism in scripture. So we are this beacon of hope. We are a beacon of joy. We are a beacon of, of welcoming. So may it be our task uh, this week and, and all the weeks to come to invite and to welcome uh, first by looking at ourselves and giving ourselves the opportunity to come to the Lord in a total, in a total beautiful way, uh, but then to bring people with us. Because I'll tell you, an empty church is not a fun church. We've lived that. We know that experience. It is awful. But a full church, it's a happy church. You know, it's a church of, of joy and life. 
Um, so we have a great opportunity uh, to be the invitation to bring people back to the place of honor.